You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Comic Book Informer podcast. It is Wednesday, February 29th. Don't get to say that very often. Yeah. And we are bringing you what? what? No, I was, what? I was agreeing. I was agreeing. Live you, it you up. You were agreeing? I was agreeing. Are you sure? Are you sure? Well, you it was a known fact. It doesn't happen often. So it's not like it was your opinion <laughs> that I had to disagree with and say is stupid. So, so anyway, the, as I'm sure you can hear, this is my ever disappointing co host, Roger. When are you going to let this go? You got to get over I'm not. it. I'm not. You're not. Never. No. Such a crybaby. <laughs> Before we get to our discussion this week, uh, we have a little bit of news to cover. Why don't you run with that? Well, actually, I, um, I I saw it on Twitter initially when it was reported, and that is that uh, Jonathan Mayberry was nominated for a Stoker Award for his work on Marvel Universe versus uh, Wolverine. So I just think that's awesome i think it's fantastic and so i'm really hoping that he he does well with this yeah um and this is actually could be a pretty big year because uh, not only is he nominated for marvel u he's also nominated for uh, dust and decay in the young adult novel which was uh, did you get a chance to read those I haven't gotten to that yet. I've been reading some of his older stuff right, currently. Right. I read the other two, and I absolutely love them. And what it did, too, is it reinforced the idea that we'd had from reading the um, the comic series that he is absolutely fantastic in his characterizations. He does a very good job with characters, not just stories, but in the interactions between the characters. And that's something that I definitely saw in the two young adult novels. So I'm, I'm assuming you noticed the same thing in his more adult novels as well oh yeah yeah really loving that stuff so but, yeah he's fantastic uh just taking a quick look at the other nominees though uh, it could be a pretty interesting award uh we have anya's ghost by vera broskal i have no experience with it myself um but from what i've seen it's definitely supernatural i don't know if i'd quite put it into the horror category though uh same with lock and key I, but i mean those are just really good comics uh, Green River Killer, it's definitely horror, but it's also like a true crime story, so I think that might diminish it a bit in the award category. <laughs> of course, got to have Neonomicon in there, nominated for an award, and I still say it's the worst comic I've ever read. So I think Mayberry's big competition here is going to be the Plague Ships, because, well, Mignola is an icon in horror comics. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's responsible for Hellboy oh, yeah. and those various uh, related comics. So, yeah, this it's going to be pretty interesting to see who pulls this one out, though, because this is their first graph time they've handed out an award to a graphic novel from the Stokers. Yeah, so I think that's fantastic because it's again, it's it's a show of the times that people are appreciating a story for what a story is, not the medium in which it was published. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. Because again, this is a conversation that I have with people periodically, when you tell them that you read comic books, as if you're, you know, over the age of 20, 30, whatever, especially if you're in your 40s, you, you sometimes have to explain and tell them, you know what, a great story is a great story, regardless of how it's told. 
So when stuff like this happens, I'm all for it. And having gotten to know Jonathan a little bit through through the interview with we did with him, as well as through reading his novels, I've got nothing but respect for the man. I really hope he can pull this off. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so getting into one of those great stories, we have our discussion for today. Great stories? That was your segue? Yes. You've been planning this. You have. No, totally wasn't. <laughs> All right, last week we talked about Craven's Last Hunt, which personally was one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. Roger has no taste. Go ahead. Nothing. I'm just going to no. sigh derisively in your direction. Okay. okay. I'm facing south. <laughs> <laughs> so over the years, various Cravens had popped up again over time. Uh, Craven had two sons, Vladimir and Alyosha. And in 2008, they brought in Craven's daughter, Anna. There was a storyline called Craven's First Hunt, ran through Amazing Spider-Man 565, 66, and 67. And they kind of hung around, were annoying, you know, typical Craven stuff. It wasn't until the next year, in 2009, that this really started to drive things home. They did this huge storyline, not even really a storyline, this huge collection of associated storylines called The Gauntlet, where basically they just threw all of Spider-Man's greatest adversaries at him one after another. This was during the Brand New Day era, uh, shortly after One More Day. And one of the things they went into Brand New Day with was they wanted to come up with new villains. So they left all of Spider-Man's classic iconic villains on the bench for a couple years. So this was really a big deal because it was a lot of his biggest villains coming back again. And it was just wearing him down over the uh, the length of it. And even the Kravenoffs kept popping up every once in a while, kind of twisting things and making it even worse for Spider-Man. Uh, it ran for like 18 issues, which is huge if by any comic standards. And that's where uh, the brand new day Spider-Man really had that advantage of publishing three times a month. This was six months, but it was a huge, huge story. A couple of them really stood out to me before we get into Grim Hunt. Uh, issues 615 and 616 was Kimia's Castle, which was a Sandman story uh, written by Fred Van Lenti with art by Javier Pulido. Fantastic. Uh, I don't think I've ever liked Sandman ever, but that story was just fantastic. I never uh, read right. that, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I a lot of these Gauntlet ones were good, but there were some that were really, really good. Uh 617 and 625 was actually a two-parter. Uh, Rage of the Rhino, an endangered species, written by Joe Kelly with art by Max Fumara. Oh, my God. That was probably my favorite comic of 2010, those two issues. Just ridiculous. Took a character that was so simple and, you know, not much to him like the Rhino and just really went crazy with it. And then 630 through 633 was Shed, a lizard story written by Zeb Wells with art by Chris Bacallo. Probably one of the darkest Spider-Man stories I've ever read. And traditionally, I don't like Spider-Man to delve into those depths, but this was just ridiculous, just insane. Uh, he also ran through, you know, Mysterio, Electro, Vulture, you know, just ran through his whole list of villains in this big gauntlet that had been... Not necessarily set up by the Kravenoffs, but they definitely weren't helping things. And that leads us into the Grim Hunt, which ran from Amazing Spider-Man 634 into 637, uh, written again by Joe Kelly with an assortment of artists. Uh, I will say that while the art 
often went well together. There were points where the clashing styles diminished a bit, but it, it is what it is, especially Brand New Day Spider-Man had artists running all over the place. At least they had artists that worked well together, unlike what we've seen in a lot of comics these days. Yeah, no kidding. And it ties in not just to Craven's last hunt, not just into the gauntlet, but into a whole vast web. Oh, God, I really just made that Did pun Did you really say that? <laughs> that was completely unintended. I've been reading a lot of Spider-Man comics, okay? It was just, it was just there. <laughs> this vast web of Spider-Man stories where in the J. Michael Straczynski days, they had started putting forth this theory that Spider-Man was more than, you know, just Spider-Man. He was... A representation of you know these animal totems. That's why so many of his villains were animal themed. You know he he was a representation of the spider, and not necessarily in the way that Craven thought of it as. But it was a, a larger thing that they were trying to build before my JMS went completely insane. And they're tying back into that here, and now we have the Hunter Tribe, and it's just this very borderline supernatural story where they're bringing together, not even borderline, it does transcend into the supernatural realm, where they bring together you know, the tribe of hunters against the tribe of spiders. The hunters are chasing after the spiders. They actually kidnap Madam Webb and Maddie Franklin, one of the lesser-known spider women. Uh, they're also after Pete's clone brother, Kane, and uh, Julia. Julia Carpenter and Aranya as well, who yep. uh, is known to people as the spider girl today. So they're going after all these spiders, wearing Spider-Man down, just driving him insane, <laughs> knowing that he can't protect anybody. And the only reason they're being hunted down is because of their association to him. He keeps even saying throughout the story, like, I barely know these people. Why are you you know, going after them? But it's what the Cravens do. They're completely off their rockers as an entire family at this point. At about, early, uh, about halfway through the story, they actually sacrifice Maddie. Uh, to raise Vladimir Kravenov, one of Kraven's sons, who was killed. And since it was, since uh, Maddie wasn't the true, you know, one spider, it was a bit twisted. He comes back as a giant lion. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> and that brings us to the actually sacrificing Spider-Man himself to bring back Kraven. Now, through machinations of the story, it turned out it was Kane who had replaced Spider-Man. Uh, for so many years, Kane had been a villainous character. This was the first time we start to see that little bit of heroism to him from being a clone of Peter and sharing many of his memories. And it also, this is stuff that plays through into today's comics. We just saw in Spider Island and the new Scarlet Spider. This is the same Kane that we're seeing here. It's a nice evolution of his character that I enjoy. So with it not being actually Peter, Craven doesn't come back quite right. Uh, he was never in the best of mental positions. But turns out he's undead. <laughs> Whoops, things went wrong. But the best thing I like here is Craven never wanted to come back. He liked the ending to his story. He wants to die again, and now he can't. The only person that can kill him is Peter himself. And it comes pretty close. Pete is absolutely freaking pissed at the end of the story. Finally becomes this mythological spider that the Kravenoffs had built him up to be. Seeing so many people around him dying. Maddie, they finally kill off Madam Web. That's how we saw in the modern Spider-Man comics. How, not modern, but the more recent ones. How Julia now has the Madam Web powers. And I don't know, I just really, really love the story. Maybe personally for me, it's because it was a culmination of so many years of other storytelling that all came together into what I felt was a really fun read. See, 
I I made it clear last week what I thought of the first three in that series, and I thought they were terrible. I, I'm not going to hide it. I thought they were terrible. It was just cliched crap that we've seen before. The the characters of the wife and the siblings, or the, the daughter and son, was just stupid. I'm sorry. It was just stupid. I, I, I didn't like it at all. It was just... Not, not at a all. big, not a big fan of uh, Sasha or Ali, but no, I, I did really like Anna. I, I didn't especially like any of them in her interactions with Craven himself. I see, I didn't at all. I just thought okay. it was okay. absolute stupidity. That said, and this is what I said last week, maybe the last <laughs> I- issue is going to redeem the whole thing. Well, it didn't redeem the whole thing. But the last issue was good. The last issue was actually quite good, and I wish that the entirety of the event could have been that good. The last one was fantastic. The pacing was great throughout. Craven and the Craven and crew got on my nerves still, but at least the story was not so tightly wrapped around just them. So we got to see a lot more of well, Spider. It's the Spider-Man comic. I want to read about him more. I want him going through hell and then the emotional turmoil and stuff like that. I'm even I'm even all right with the the spider the extended spiders kind of and and seeing more of them. I loved finally seeing where the change was in Madam mm-hmm. Web. I'd never seen that, so it was like ah, so that's where it it happened, and that was awesome. That like you're talking about that's a huge plot point in the end of this that that isn't even about this kind of thing it's just it's something that's important in the canon of spider-man but it was just this awesome part that's that's not even the you know the intended awesome for the end of this series um i loved how dangerously close he got to Mm -hmm. offing um craven the thing that i did not like which i haven't liked since in any time any time they reference it and before as well this whole big freaking web of spider and the importance of him as the central spider and the, the essence of the spider and all that crap no i liked it when he was a simple teenager that got bit by a spider had powers there you go when it turns into this mystical crap of you know the web of spiders and all that uh that's when it's like no, you you changed it from what it was, from what made it awesome, and tried to put this whole new spin on it, this whole again, Doctor Mysterious spin on it, and it's like, no, it's I don't dig that at all. Okay, I I have no problem with your opinion. Yes, you do. <laughs> no, <laughs> you've made that clear for over a week now. I, I I give you a hard time because you're wrong, but. <laughs> I'm not wrong about this. But the You're the one telling thing... me that you prefer this whole you know metaphysical kind of that's not a word. I'm turning into you. Maybe it is. <laughs> but this whole wed of a spider thing, you're more all right with that than the original story of it's just a guy who got bit by a spider. I am because Pete has never once embraced that. He's always fought against it. Even you saw, uh, was at the end of Spider Island when he's dealing with uh, Julia. <laughs> it, he, he he Pete himself has always hated that. There you go. He, if he just, can't, if he doesn't accept it, I shouldn't. <laughs> so I, I have no problem with this larger story going on around him that he has an unwilling part in, and he's still that kid that got bit by the spider doing his own thing. I, I am okay with it. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. 
I, I did love that uh, vision that Julia gave him, though. We saw like what would have happened. Wolverine actually kicking, kicking him. him out oh, yeah, of- really? <laughs> <laughs> you've gone too far. That's what they should have had a little caption there with Wolverine saying, "You've gone too far." <laughs> and I just. It, it, it tied in, again, to that stuff uh, Straczynski was doing earlier in the 2000s. And that's really what I respect most about Grim Hunt. Grim Hunt was a very, quote, important story. So many big things for the larger spider universe happened here. Madam Web and Julia. Uh, Kane, which we saw was a big point. At bringing Craven back from the dead after almost you know 30 years of being dead. Over 30 years, over 30 years of being dead. Like this was an important comic. And so frequently we see the important comics these days are just bad. So doing an important story and in my eyes also doing it well was a very good thing for me. Hmm. The, The event as a whole, I cannot recommend. The only reason I'd recommend it is to read it so that you are, um, so that you can see where those things originated from in the final issue it's not a series that or an event that i can say you're going to enjoy the whole thing because it was awesome and the payoff is well worth it no i'm gonna say the first three issues you're gonna have to work through and eat it like your vegetables so that you can get to the flavored mashed potatoes and steak afterwards (laughs) that's that's the payoff not the other stuff I'd be interested in you reading those gauntlet issues too. I'd I'd like to know what you thought of those because you know you hate everything I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it, it, and Grim Hunt is still paying off to this day. Like we saw, Kane came back during Spider Island. Yeah, the tarantula stuff. Mm-hmm. And we saw Craven in that issue of Venom, <laughs> completely off his rocker there, living in the Savage Land, and that all sprang from this. So. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I like Grim Hunt. I will not apologize for that, but I accept your dislike of it. I Again, I can appreciate that there's a lot of importance to the series. Well, to the end of the series, not the, the event itself. But there's a lot of important things that happen that they're, they draw from, for sure. And like I said, I did enjoy the last one, with the exception of, again, the great big mysterious web kind of is something that, man, I don't, I don't dig. But I can appreciate that. But... The three issues before, 634, okay. 35, 36, pff, crap on a cracker. Yeah. You see, and, and there's so many people who hate this entire era of Spider-Man on general principle. You know, they, they were so distraught over the whole Mary Jane thing that they are utterly convinced that every single Spider-Man comic that has been published since that day has been the absolute worst Spider-Man comic ever. Oh, I've read a lot back then that I... I love. I know. So but it's somebody like, oh, Grim Hunt. I've refused to read a Spider-Man comic until Stephen Wacker is fired. Grim Hunt was awful. Well, wait a minute. Okay, well, <laughs> well, it doesn't matter to you. That even if people read it and say they don't like it, you disagree with them anyways and say that, no, you're wrong. I'm not disagreeing. I just like giving you, you a hard time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So moving on to what we're reading. Uh, I have a few this week. Uh, first of all, Uncanny X-Force. <gasps> no spoilers. I haven't read nope. it yet. Not giving any spoilers. Um <laughs> I don't like this particular story arc as much as I have the rest of the comic, just because the whole other world concept I've never been into. The Captain Britain Corps, that's never done anything for me. Okay, but Uh, that, no, you don't like it in terms of what's out right now or putting it in comparison to what we've already read 
with X Force because I mean Compa- that's a compared steep to deep kind previous, of thing. The previous twenty some issues of X Force, but in terms of comparing it to what else is out right now, it's still damn good. The- the character moments are still fantastic. Psylocke, Phantom X, and especially Nightcrawler all get great character work in here. And that still elevates it above so many other things. Just the actual story that's going on itself, I'm not invested in. Okay. And that actually ties in. Uh, I have an assortment of Avengers comics this week. Uh, the, Rick Remender has put out a couple issues of his Secret Avengers now. And <laughs> it's such a back and forth on this because... Captain Britain as a member, and I just said, not into him as a character, not into his whole shtick. Hawkeye is the leader of the team. So right right off the bat, I hate the two most prominent members of this team. <laughs> but I have enough faith in Reminder, and I like enough of the other characters, Beast, Ant-Man, and now just recently Venom, that I'm hoping he can make me, I don't want to say like, I'm hoping he can make me neutral. <laughs> On the other guys. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm in no rush to read that at all, at all, at all. Even though it's him writing it. Mm-hmm. Just because, again, I hate those guys. Well, I shouldn't say I hate all of them, but my God, just having Hawkeye in something is reason enough for me not to read it. And I I swear, on purpose, he's writing Hawkeye to be as obnoxious as possible. Like, he, Rick Remender personally wants me to hate this comic book. <laughs> That's his goal in life. (laughs) (laughs) What am I going to do in 2012? Well, there's this guy named Vince who's always mean to this guy named Raj. I'm going to make him pay. (laughs) And make him pay by writing the exact same comic that Roger would hate. (laughs) Whatever gives you grief is good in my book. Aside from that, uh, Avengers and New Avengers are both doing this huge Osborne story right now. Um. I, ha- I have a feeling this is kind of like Bendis's magnum opus with the Avengers. Uh, he's announced that in the very near future, he will be done with Avengers. He wants to move on to other stuff. And since, I think, 2000, 2001, between Avengers, New Avengers, Dark Avengers, Assorted Avengers, Brian Bendis has written more issues of Avengers than anybody else in Marvel history. So he's been building to this moment for quite a while now. And at first... I felt he was kind of repeating himself because it's Osborn fielding an entirely new team of Dark Avengers. But the way the story is playing out, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, new Avengers is just straight up action. The New Avengers hate Osborn. The first time they see him, their first instinct is to punch him in the face. And actually, that didn't work out too well. <laughs> but just big action. You have cloned Thor. You have you know fake Hawkeye, fake Spider-Man, just complete nuts. But then over in Avengers, you have a completely different story where you see the genius of Osborn. He's not fighting the Avengers directly. He's tricking them. He's trapping them. And the way he's building it up is that's the best part of Osborn over the last few years for me, how he has absolutely no concept in his mind that he has ever done anything wrong or evil. And so many villains have been like that before, but very rarely can you as the reader look at that. And agree with him. Just, I'm really liking how they're handling Osborn right now, and that's making me really, really love the the two main Avengers titles. Okay, maybe those I'll give a shot. And then just to finish it out, uh, Avengers Academy. I've praised it nonstop uh, because I do really enjoy the book. A uh, few issues back, one of the primary characters uh, came out as gay, and the I have no problem with this at all. <laughs> I feel the issue itself 
came dangerously close to after school special at at times, but it was okay. It fit the character. I was fine with it. And any time, the only times I've had problems with stuff like this in the past was stuff like in um, the uh, what's it called the Young Avengers, the Children's Crusade, where it's been the central focus of the story. Like every time you see these two characters, they can't keep their hands off each other. Like okay, I get it. Uh, it was handled well here, and of course fan backlash uh the letters page in the most recent issue uh 22 or 20 or 26 yeah i think it was issue 26 this guy wrote in this letter about how you know it was actually a, a very calm letter uh Chris, uh christos gage actually actually praised him for you know laying out his thoughts rationally but i it's just a very interesting discussion between someone who I don't want to I don't want to insult the guy, but was very, very unhappy with this character turn on general principle. And then Gage just really speaking to it as a writer and as a member of the comics community. I, I just praise where it's due there. Hmm. Cool. That's all I got. That's all you got. All That's right. All. I read some crappy DC stuff. So just to well, narrow it down so that you you're, know you're what I'm talking about. Dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> I read the newest Teen Titan. Is it even the newest one? I read Teen Titans number five. That's where I was up to. I think they're up to six for everything I, right now. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This it it wasn't the same thing as the other ones where it was turning into the teenage melodrama. It wasn't that. There was a little bit of that, but not too much. It was just the same crap that we've seen before so many times. The not necessarily. This, although we have seen this too, like the, all of them going up against Superboy. And of course, getting their butts handed to them, getting a few good shots. And of course, the boy without any powers at all is one that does the best, but even he gets taken down. It's just, part of me is like, okay, you knew this was coming. You knew they had to do this issue. Just get past that, move on, and see what they do with the rest of it. And then part of me is like, no, that doesn't make it right. It doesn't. <laughs> it's the same thing as when we have our discussion with games, and it's like everybody uses the same excuse for certain mechanics in the game. Well, it has to be like this because, no, it doesn't have to. You can be original. You can do something better. And this is just cliched piece of crap that we've seen over and over and over again it's like all right well guess what i'm done uh and i finally read some of the suicide squad on your suggestion it was i i believe i said that you probably wouldn't like it yeah well you were right that said it was still better at least than that teen titans i read four and five i want to say and it was like, oh, come on, give me a break. And so they, they, they do some fun stuff, but they balance it out with just pure terrible. It was just, yeah, it was like, come on, really? So, it, I, yeah, I, I can, this is why I wasn't reading it. So, now, another one, though, and to close out on, I got reasonably, I, I might be completely caught up, or I'll have to check exactly. I read two or three, you know, three issues of the Uncanny X-Men. It got better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was like okay there's there's hope for you yet it actually got better there was still the moments of stupidity there were still moments where you're kind of like people are way too happy here what the hell are, is wrong with you people it's just i don't know if it was the art style or the writing some of it it's just, the art style yeah it was like what what is wrong with you people you're stuck here he just got <laughs> swallowed up by what looked like a butthole and you're smiling about this like you're I, 
It doesn't I make sense. I read a great article on uh, Comics Alliance last week about Uncanny X-Men and how the art is so counter to what's going on in the story that it really diminishes the story. <laughs> okay, well, then it wasn't just me because I yeah. was trying to make sense of it. And I'm going like, what is going on here? Like, you people look ridiculous. What's... I don't get it. The story that that said the story wasn't bad and it was getting better. So I kind of was enjoying it, which is nice to enjoy an X-Men title after, you know, the crap that we've seen. Well, Wolverine's still awesome. Wolverine is still awesome, but I still I, I don't consider that X-Men per se. It's it's Wolverine's team. That's that's what that's going to be to me. It's Wolverine and the X-Men. It's not. It's Wolverine and his his peeps. That's what that is. <laughs> Wolverine and his I <laughs> I put little yellow stickers over X-Men and I write and his peeps. <laughs> I feel better about it. <laughs> okay. Whatever works for you. Yes. All right. So moving into today's new releases, being one of those odd months where there's five Wednesdays, slim pickings this week. Uh, from Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man 680, Avengers number 23, FF number 15, New Avengers number 22, Ultimate X-Men number 8, which I'm still trying to decide if I hate or not. <laughs> Part of it is just stupid. Again, same as what we've seen before, too. Some of it is actually good some of it i'm enjoying but the, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of stuff is like oh come on the big hugging magneto then and i was like oh come on is there supposed to be a tear rolling down my cheek here because there isn't <laughs> and venom 13.4 uh, which is part five of circle of four almost wrapping up there and we have several collected editions as well invincible iron man volume eight unfixable trade paperback punisher by greg rooka volume one hardcover which do it. God, love that comic. Absolutely fantastic. And Uncanny X-Force, The Dark Angel Saga, book two, hardcover. Okay, slim pickings, but they're pretty damn good, some of them. Mm -hmm. DC, we have Batman Beyond Unlimited number one, which is the print collection of the digital comics. Uh, Justice League number six, which just manages to skate in <laughs> and in its proper month. And Scalped number 56. To round out, we have Voltron number three from Dynamite and all from Image, Invincible number 89, which apparently is a really big deal, uh, Walking Dead number 94, and Samurai's Blood trade paperback. So yeah, not a lot out there this week, but some pretty good quality. Walking Dead better be good. I swear it... it <laughs> this is not a suggestion. It better be good. See, for, for so many years, I only read Walking Dead in the collected editions. I, I think I'm going to go back to that. Oh. I, <laughs> it's just, I, I enjoy that comic more in big chunks than I do month by month. The, I, you know what? I, Jeez, I read, what was it, 75 or more in that one chunk in a matter of less than a week or so? So I can appreciate that. But, like, I love the series enough that I'm all right with week to week as long as it's gripping and it makes me want to come back and all that. And seriously, at this point, same as with the, the series, I don't want to come back to it. It's starting to feel like a chore. Watch it. No, watching the TV series is a chore. Yeah. Although Samurai's Blood, people, buy it. If you didn't pick up the miniseries when it was out, pick up the trade paperback. Awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. Uh, would really be interested if you've read Grim Hunt. Uh, <laughs> Give us your opinions. Either find us at comicbookinformer.com, leave some comments. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at CBinformer, or also via email, either Vince or Roger Not at comicbookinformer.com. He lies. He will lie and say, everybody loved it. You were wrong. 
they know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not above that. Uh, this is true. <laughs> but anyway, that's going to wrap us up here, and we'll see everybody next week. Take it easy, guys. Punk. <laughs> you watch your tongue. <laughs> kidding i've been waiting for this for a week now <laughs> like what am i looking for to do this week this okay <laughs> all righty i'm ready whenever you are are you ready yeah go for it let's get this over with <laughs> that's the spirit <laughs> Okay, so at what point did this like not was not fun anymore? When I stopped agreeing with everything you said, was that it? What was the last time you agreed with anything? I hey, said? hey, that's not even funny. <laughs> I can go back through episodes. I'll show you. There's a crap load of them. Shut up, dude. <laughs> Freaking prima donna, you and Joe. <laughs> <laughs>